Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that helps you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. You've got this. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 155 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you so much for joining me. If you're just joining us, I want to ask if you have had a chance to listen to the Weight Loss Kickstart Challenge series that we have been releasing over the past few weeks. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, make sure you go back and listen to it. There's seven different episodes. They are packed with information about getting going on your weight loss. Some of the common places I see people get tripped up some of the common mistakes, the way I view weight loss and eating differently that makes it so it's more sustainable. The approaches we use to make it so that you enjoy the process of losing weight so that it lasts for you, so that you can keep it off. So if you have not watched those, go back and listen to them. Even if you were present during the actual challenge and you listened to some of them live, I'd still encourage you to go back and re-listen to them because you will take away different things from listening to the replays than what you did when you listened to it live. You'll get more out of it, I promise you. All right, today is kind of a special episode. I have to tell you, it's a little bit of a hard episode for me to record. I have all sorts of reasons in my head to put this off and not record this, but I've decided to go ahead and do it and get it done because I really think there's some of you out there listening to this podcast that will benefit, that need to hear what I have to say This episode is going to be more about some of my personal experiences over the past couple months. It's been a little bit of a tough couple months. I've had some burnout, some mood issues, and normally that would be something that I don't choose to speak publicly about, that I would just keep to myself, which essentially is what I've been doing (laughs) during this time. But I think this is part of the issue why we as physicians have a mental health crisis on our hands where there are physicians who are choosing the route of suicide or ending up in a position where that feels like the right option for them, partly because mental health in physicians isn't talked about. It's getting better, but I think it's really important that we embrace the idea of speaking about our experiences, speaking about what it is like. And when we are struggling, making it okay in our culture to say that we are struggling. Now, what's been interesting this time around, I haven't had a burnout like this for quite some time. Like I think maybe 2016 was the last time I had a burnout like this. So that was prior to me ever doing any coaching. It was actually life coaching that started to get me out of that burnout and definitely prior to me having any personal coaching skills. And so what's been really interesting during this episode is I've been a little bit able to take an observer role and really notice what's going on. And honestly, that probably helped me because I was able to just step out of the muck and the horrible feelings of it a little bit and just take the role of observing how my brain was working, what I was thinking about, how I was behaving and what things I was doing or wasn't doing and kind of being curious about why that was. And so I thought that this episode could be helpful for you guys to 
hear my views after recently going through this about what did I learn objectively this time around compared to the other times that I've been through this. This is a slightly different episode in that it's going to be just a lot more about my personal experiences and my personal thoughts. I hope that they're helpful for you. I hope that even if you're not currently dealing with burnout, I think this episode could be worthwhile to listen to because I've got some thoughts about how I ended up in this place and maybe some things that you could learn to watch for so that hopefully you don't end up in a place of burnout. So let me give you a little bit of the background. I would have told you through most of the summer, I was doing pretty well. I was just busy. Hindsight being 2020, I would say now, no, probably not really doing as well as what I thought I was doing. I was super busy. I had a lot to get done. I was doing a lot of work, but I also wasn't doing my self-care stuff that had fallen away. Partly one, because I wasn't able to run. I got injured. And running really is my main mental health management tool. I love it. It makes just such a difference on a day where I run in the morning. It changes the whole day for me, which is a double-edged sword because it's great when it's there. It's such a useful tool. But what I learned in this process is I've ended up relying solely on that tool. And so when it was taken away, what I did instead was that early morning time where I would have been running. And when I get up to run, I also journal, I meditate, I do some yoga and some other self-care stuff. During that time when I got up to run, I didn't have to run, but I had a whole list of stuff on my to-do list. So I would get up early and just get going on work, work on trying to get caught up and stay on top of all the things that were on my to-do list. Now, the challenge in this is the things on my to-do list were things I actually liked doing. They had to do with this podcast, with my coaching programs, with the free challenge that I ran through the summer. They're all labors of love. I get very excited and very interested in doing these things. But what I've learned in this process is it's still a form of overworking. And that overworking without any rest still led to burnout. What's interesting is for years, I've kind of been like, good, I've got that burnout thing handled. Like in my early career, raise your hand if this is you, if you've been here. But in my early career, I just fluctuated from being burnt out And then having these swings, so I'd get burnt out and then I would just clear the slate, give up some shifts, find a locum in the office, find space for myself. I'd start to recover and then I'd be feeling better. So I'd be like, okay, yeah, no, I can do that extra shift. Sure, I'll take that extra call. Yeah, I can work more in the office. And so it was these big swings between being burnt out and overworking. And it took me a lot of years of trying to even those big swings out. So I at least wasn't going from like, totally burnt out, can't do anything, have to take time off. Not that I was taking chunks of time off, but definitely like I need to find a locum. I need some space from the office. I need to see if somebody will take these emerge shifts, that type of time off. But then swinging rapidly back the other way of, okay, yeah, no, I have to say yes. If people ask me to help out with work, I have to make sure I'm going to all these meetings. I have to do all these different things in my day and ending up overworking. So I had developed the skill of balancing out those huge swings quite a while ago. However, having children, as many of you know, created a whole other layer of complexity. So I wasn't in quite the same overwork, like, yes, I can help out. Sure, I can do that for you. Yeah, I can take those extra shifts. I didn't do that quite so much, but just the normal demands of work coupled with trying to be home as much as possible with our young kids 
you know, the pressure we put on ourselves to be a good mom, be present, do all the things that we feel we should be doing to make sure they're getting whatever enrichment we think they should be getting. And I'm laughing just because it's such a, like, especially sitting from this position, it is such a little rat race that we get ourselves into of like, yes, I'm a career woman. I have a profession that is very high demand, but I also need to be perfect as a mother. And I know lots of you listening are there too, because this comes up a ton when we're coaching inside my coaching programs with physicians. This like mom guilt that when we're at work, we're not being a good enough mom. When we're at home or take time off the family, we're saying no to work. And it's like this double-sided guilt. So that created new opportunities for burnout and stress and low mood. And I went through some depression, postpartum depression. I consider it, though it came a little bit later. Partly after I had my twins, I made the really smart decision of writing my Emerge board exams when they were 14 months old. And so I had returned to work. Then I also started to study for emergency exams. And guess what? That was hard. <laughs> Which again, retrospect, hindsight being 2020, you're like, maybe that wasn't the best time. Maybe a year later would have been better. The point I would like to make is when you're in this and when you're in this like overworking phase that leads to the burnout, these like high standards, it doesn't seem like there's another option. I remember back when I was deciding, okay, am I going to write my eMERGE exam? I'd already deferred it a year because I got pregnant with the twins. And so I didn't feel that I could do it that year. And so I felt there was no other option but to write it the year that I did. I didn't even consider that I could have done it another time. I felt I needed to do that. My brain didn't see another option. But after writing the exam, and of course being successful in the exam, and this is another point that I want to point out to all of you guys listening, if you're struggling, if your days are feeling hard, it's not a matter of waiting until it shows up in your function, because I think in physicians, that's ways down the road. So I was struggling, but I wrote a very difficult exam and did well on it. And then it was like after the exam, my mood crashed. And all of a sudden, I didn't have the studying to keep me busy to occupy my mind and distract me. And all of a sudden, my mood was low and I struggled. I had other times where I got burnt out at, at various times for various different reasons and was always able to manage it. Coaching has been, I can't explain how big of a help coaching and learning the practice of self-coaching, learning the practice of doing a self-care routine for myself has been in preventing burnout. I've managed it so much better than what I ever did. However, this time around, got under my radar. <laughs> The things leading up to it sounded different than what they did before. They wore different costumes and I didn't catch them in the same way that I have the other times. And again, I think this is really important and partly why I wanted to record this episode and be really open and vulnerable with you guys is because if you've been learning all the stuff I've been teaching you and it's feeling really good and then all of a sudden something like this happens, it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It's really easy. And I see this again a lot with physicians I coach is we beat ourselves up that we're not doing our self-care. We're not doing this coaching thing right for ourselves. That if we've learned the idea about managing our minds, we should be able to do it 100% of the time perfectly because we really like to be perfect, don't we? However, the reality is we have human brains and human brains are tricky. There will always be things in your life that trip you up. There are always going to be things that kind of mess you up when you think you were doing really well. 
And it doesn't mean anything about you. It just means you have a human brain and a human life is never perfectly happy. We wish it was. We've been taught it should be through media and things like that. But the reality of a human life is sometimes tough things happen. Sometimes we have tough reactions to things. We have tough emotions. It's part of what makes us human, but it means we don't get to be happy all the time. We can be happy some of the time. We can have very positive emotions some of the time, but there's also the same amount of time we're going to have negative emotions. Even when you have all the skills, there's no skill out there that is going to proof you from having negative emotions. And I'll be honest, when this first started and I started to realize I was in trouble, I think I beat myself up for a bit. How did I get here? I shouldn't have gotten here. I believe I probably had those conversations when I was talking to my coach in one of the sessions towards the beginning of all this. Because I, number one, when once you're starting to get burnt out or you're starting to get into a low mood, your mind is thinking more negatively than usual. It's interpreting things more negatively than usual. So my mind was interpreting the fact that, well, I should have prevented this. I should have done that. I should have done that. Shitting all over myself. And it wasn't helpful, right? It worsened the situation, but it was also a normal brain reaction to have. This is part of what I want to share is that in the depths of burnout, in the depths of a low mood, if we can at least have compassion with ourselves, that what we are experiencing is normal human experience, that it's part of being human. I think it creates space for us to find the solutions that will help us more easily. If we really get stuck in that place of believing that this shouldn't happen to us, that we should be able to figure it out on our own, and just being really negative, if we get stuck in that place, It blocks our ability to find solutions that are going to work. And we end up getting stuck down in that burnout for longer. So like I said, through the summer, I was just overworking and didn't really recognize it. If you'd asked me in that summer, I would have said, I'm doing well. I just have a lot on my plate right now. I got to do a lot of stuff. But what it looked like now when I look back is I took my laptop on our holidays. Pretty much every day on the holidays, I had my laptop open, even out at the lake. I had my laptop out there and I was doing work a lot of the days, not for the whole day, but I was working on days where I was technically on vacation. There weren't really any days in the summer that I truly had off from a mental perspective. And this was all self-driven work. This wasn't medicine work. This was my other work. And like I've said already in this episode, this is a passion project. I love talking about eating and weight and finding more compassionate, positive ways to address it. I love helping other physicians. And so it's so easy to drive myself to do this work. What I've learned, even when it's work I love, overworking still isn't healthy. I've learned from this episode, I have to keep an eye out for overworking in this area of my life because Ultimately, it has as negative of impacts as when I'm overworking in the medicine side of my life too. But that overworking is sneaky. And this is the first kind of point I wanted to make of what have I learned in this that I can share with you that might help you. Number one is the overworking that leads to the burnout is sneaky. And it's going to sound things like I have to, or maybe it's going to sound like I'll just do, or maybe it's going to sound like nobody else is going to. Or it's going to sound like next week I can. And I think I was doing a lot of this is thinking, okay, I'll just get all this. I'm going to get caught up. I'm going to get ahead. And then next week I'll be able to relax. There'll be more time. And guess what? That never happened because my brain kept filling in that time. 
it was in this kind of frantic overworking state. What then ended up happening is in September, I just crashed. And within a matter of days, I went from that place of thinking, yeah, I'm doing well, really enjoying this. I'm just really busy. There's a lot on my plate to being a little bit of a mess, to crying uncontrollably at times and feeling this profound sadness and darkness. When I say darkness, I'm talking more emotional, just blah, numbness. It's hard to even describe. And it felt like I plummeted into that space and it took me by surprise. I thought I was just trying to get work done so that I could then relax better. And then as the work eased off, what was left was me as a pretty big mess, realizing I'd neglected some really important aspects of me, myself, in that urge to overwork and that drive to overwork. And so it kind of took me making some like emergency about face in my plans and my schedules because I realized I thought everything was going okay. And really there was like a four alarm fire going on that I hadn't noticed. And I just noticed on one particular day that, uh oh, this is worse than I thought. And so since that time, I've really focused on stripping back the work I'm doing, doing minimal extra work, and really, really focused on putting that self-care back in, finding things that are self-care that aren't just running. Now, I am very luckily able to run again, and I'm so, so thankful for the fact I can run again. It's so important to me, but I'm also really, really aware that that can't be my only self-care. And even though my brain wants to prioritize it over everything else, I need to be way more conscious this time around about building up my other avenues of self-care. And for me, that's journaling. So trying, and I have been very consistent in journaling most days, even if it's just a little bit. And now for some of you who aren't into journaling, I have to tell you, like when my mood was really low, did I sit down and journal how crappy I felt? Not always. Sometimes that was helpful and that's what I felt I needed to do. There were definitely days where that was not what I wanted to do. And journaling about how horrible I felt was probably would have made me less functional because it would have tipped me into like a melting pot of tears and I wouldn't have been able to go out in public and do the things I needed to do. So on those days, the gentlest thing was journaling more about, okay, what do I want to focus on today? What's something simple I can focus on today? Sometimes the gentlest thing was not journaling at all, but going and having a nap. I was so tired in those days after. I felt so physically exhausted, not just mentally. So having naps with self-care, getting out and doing simple things like walking was okay. Didn't work as much as running, but getting out I've talked about how important getting out on the trails is for me. So at least getting out and walking on the trails gave me some of that sort of sense of freedom, that sense of relaxation that the running does. So focusing on that and then coming back to some hobbies that I hadn't done for a long time. So one of those is painting. I love to paint. I find it super relaxing and calming. And yet it's one of the last things I do. It always seems like there's something else to do. It always seems like it's going to take so much work to pull out the paints and get going and then clean up my brushes afterwards. And I think too, there's a bit of perfectionism that gets in the way, especially if my mood's low is thinking, well, am I just going to go and paint something wrong and mess that up or things like that. So what I've been working on is doing my painting, even when I don't want to, even when I worry I might not be good enough at it, going and doing it anyways, even if it's just for a super short time, 
again, as a self-care and as a building a self-care tool that I believe with time will become more and more relaxing, more easy to do so that I'm not solely relying on the running. It's like not putting all your eggs in one basket. If you only have one self-care thing to do and for whatever reason that self-care thing gets taken away, you don't have any more self-care. You don't have any more coping strategies. And that's one of the big things that happened to me that I'm problem solving for. So over the last weeks, things are getting better. I'm not 100% back to my normal. I still feel a little raw on the inside, I would say. I'm still being a little extra careful about overworking and exactly what I'm doing and saying yes to. And it's really interesting because I can start to see my mind amping up right now in our community. COVID is not good right now. Our numbers are increasing. We have relatively low rates of vaccination compared to the rest of our province. And so there's needs in our community for physicians to help out more. And in my mind, I'm like, well, I could help that. I could do that. I could take on a little extra shifts, but I'm going to pause myself for a little bit before I actually say yes to that. So I can really plan what actually is manageable and what's just doing more overworking because that's still the default. We just got back from a holiday this weekend. It's Thanksgiving weekend in Canada. We went down to Victoria so my husband could run a half marathon. I was supposed to be running it and couldn't do it because of that injury that I've had, which was a bit of a bummer, but it was actually really nice to be down there and just to be around the race. I was a spectator and cheering people on, which I really enjoyed. And I was able to go for some runs on my own around the water and stuff, which was beautiful. I really enjoyed that. But this was one of the first times off, one of the first weekends where I was starting to feel comfortable not doing work. It's taken weeks to start to feel comfortable when I have time off to actually just let it be time off. Well, time off and spending time with the family. But it's still coming. And I say that, and yet it's Thanksgiving Monday, and I'm quickly recording this podcast before we go over to friends for Thanksgiving dinner. So not perfect (laughs) yet, but I'm working on it. And it is getting better, but I do have to watch that part of my brain. It's still in that mode where it wants to overwork. And so the second point I was going to share with you guys is I think the inability to stop working when it becomes uncomfortable to not be working, where, you know, on your weekends or evenings, there's that urge to keep working and taking time off to yourself feels very uncomfortable is a sign that something's up. And maybe that's an early sign that you might be able to catch of like, okay, why is this feeling uncomfortable to me? to actually have time off. And I think the answer, if you notice that for yourself, the answer is you need to lean into it. You need to give yourself more time. If it's becoming uncomfortable to have time off, it means you're probably not getting any time off. And I would suggest leaning into it, even though it's uncomfortable, being really strict with yourself to make sure you're getting the time off, to start building that relaxation that you need to couple with the high level of work that we do. The third point I was gonna make in all of this is that burnout and depression, other mood things are very isolating. What I noticed when I was observing myself during this is we as physicians, we function at a very high level and we will keep that function going until we absolutely cannot. And we've been taught to do that, right? Like that's what we do when we're up all night on call and we still go in to work to see patients the next day, even though we haven't slept. It's the putting our own needs to the side, putting our own current physical or mental experience to the side and showing up how our patients need us to show up. It's an important skill, I think, about being a physician. But in this scenario, I think it can be very damaging because we don't show that we're struggling. The people around us 
can't see the pain that you might be in. When you have those days where it was so hard just to go in and you're dreading the entire day and every slot on the day sheet feels hard, every note you have to write feels so hard, every piece of paperwork you have to do feels so hard and you imagine giving up medicine and going somewhere else and working at McDonald's or just, this was my common escape fantasy, just like escaping and being in a hotel room alone where nobody can find you. On those days, it feels like you are suffering so much, but the people around you can't necessarily see it. I think this is where it is dangerous because then it feels isolating. It feels like people don't notice you. And I don't think that's true at all. I think what it is, is that we are very good at putting a face on for the world, even though we're really struggling behind the face. So the third point I have for you is you have to talk to people. They may not initiate the conversation. They may guess something's up, but chances are they may not know to the degree that you are struggling. And so work on talking to somebody in your life, whether it be a friend that you feel safe with, a partner, a colleague, somebody that you can talk to. And if you don't know how to start that conversation, because I know like this most recent time, like I was around friends before anybody knew anything that was going on. And I just didn't even know how to put the words together. And I also didn't really want to bother them. But I can tell you from this side, I think that was the wrong decision. I think that probably led me a bit deeper into the burnout and the low mood or depression. And so the words you can use is, hey, I'm not doing too well right now. Or, hey, can I talk to you about something? I'm really struggling right now. Words like that can start the conversation. I honestly, in the depths of it, I couldn't figure out how to start the conversation. And I think then that's what led to the, I'm laughing at myself just because of how it can go from, I think I'm doing okay to I'm a complete and utter mess and really obviously not doing okay. And I think some of that was because I didn't know how or I didn't feel comfortable telling people. I think I thought if I ignored it, it would go away. And I can tell you, I don't think that's true. The other piece of this is talk to your doctor. If you don't have a family doctor or a primary care physician, I encourage you to get one. But we as physicians are really bad at going to see our physicians when we're struggling. I did not end up going to see my family doctor, but there was a Monday where I was like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to phone and book an appointment. And that Monday happened to be the Monday where things turned around, where I was like, okay, this is getting better. But I'm still a little bit on alert that if I tipped back, I would make an appointment and go see her. And so as a physician, don't doctor yourself. If you're struggling, even if you're not sure if you're at the point where you need medications, go see your doctor. They can be an ally. They can be a safe place to talk about what you're going through. Talk to colleagues. I think we as physicians want to help our other colleagues. But again, we don't always see or have time to talk personally with colleagues. So we don't always see how they're struggling. If there is somebody that you can tell that you are struggling, they'll hopefully become an ally where they're checking in and giving you that extra layer of support too. All right, the fourth and final point I wanted to make for this is if you are struggling with weight and mood, your brain is likely going to the weight and thinking you need to fix this, you need to just stop eating, you need to lose the weight, and then we can start to feel better. That is the exact opposite way to do it. And I can tell you during this episode, I did gain some weight, which I'll now be working on taking off. 
but I can tell you exactly why I gained the weight was in the depths of this. There were days I just didn't care. I knew I had the skills. I knew I had the tools. I knew I could decide not to eat, but I just didn't care. And there were days where I just wanted to try to feel some form of pleasure or joy because I was so tired of this bleakness and this blackness that was in my head. And so I tried food, learned it didn't really work, (laughs) wrote that in my journal to remind myself that, you know what, it doesn't actually work, but I tried it because I couldn't think of anything else to try. I was trying everything else I could think of and the low mood was still there. But I think what's really important if you're struggling with eating and weight is it's so easy to make that an area where you worsen your mood or your burnout by beating yourself up about your eating or your weight, which then likely drives further eating, makes it feel more out of control. What I really suggest is put a pause on worrying about the weight and the eating, put all your energy into focusing on your burnout or your mood. What do you have to do to get those feeling better? And then as those feel better, then work on the eating and the weight. You can work on them side by side, but the weight and the eating is never going to be exactly the way you want it to be until you get your mood in check. And it is so easy for that weight and eating to become something that actually worsens your mood. And that's why I'm saying, if you're really struggling with your mood right now, if you're feeling really burnt out right now, pause on the eating and the weight stuff. Focus on helping yourself feel better. What do you need right now to feel better? What could you do today to feel just that tiny little bit better that you might be able to add on and do something else tomorrow or the next day? But it's probably not going to be stepping on the scale and trying to lose a certain amount of weight this week. Now, the tricky thing is, is your brain may tell you if you were to lose a certain amount of weight, you would feel better because it's so easy for our brains to blame weight as a reason for our low mood. I can tell you with 100% certainty that's not true and it's not going to be lasting. If you lose a little bit of weight, you feel better because you've lost the weight. That's not going to be a lasting improvement in your mood because as soon as the scale goes up or it stops coming down, you're still going to have the mood stuff to contend with. Lasting weight loss, lasting freedom around food, where you can enjoy yourself around food, not constantly obsess about it, lose the weight you want and feel confident it's not coming back. That comes from really managing yourself as a whole human being in a kind and compassionate way. And so you have to get the burnout, you have to get the mood stuff feeling better. However, that needs to happen. Now I need to get going because I have to go finish making my vegetable side dish for our Thanksgiving dinner that we're going to. But if this episode has resonated with you, I'm happy. And I hope that sharing my experience of what I've been going through recently helps you in whatever journey that you're on. If you have any questions or thoughts, send me an email at info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. And remember, if you are really struggling, reach out. Reach out to a friend, to a colleague, to your own physician. Phone one of the physician crisis lines if you are in crisis. Get help. It doesn't always have to feel this way. It can get better. Take care. Got lots of hugs and thoughts for you if you're going through this right now. And we'll talk to you next week. Okay, bye-bye.